Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Today's episode, I'm going to be uh, giving you a Sunday review. Sometime, usually, you know, week six review is usually what it was. I'll go over Monday, Sunday, and Thursday because, you know, sometimes just Sunday, Monday, sometimes the whole week. I already did Thursday. Monday night football doesn't happen, so it's just going to be Sunday. So hopefully with a few less games to cover, I can get a little uh, deeper into every game. And then after I get to a Sunday review... I'm going to get back to my NBA top 100 players list. Last episode, we did numbers if, yeah, 80 through 61. So today, we're going to do 60 through 41. Wow, we're going to get deep into this list. We're starting to get into some of these elite players. So it gets, it gets better and better every time. It gets more and more interesting. Uh, people start to care about it more. Again, I, I know Monday Night Football, I'm going to miss a review on that. If I get an episode out Tuesday... Tomorrow, I don't think I will, but if I can, I'll definitely do a Monday Night Football review. If I do an episode Wednesday or Thursday, I might, depends on kind of how things look. I still got to get my NBA predictions out there. I got to finish this list before the season starts. I want to do a little Kyle Lowry. We'll we'll see what just happens, so we'll have to play it by air, but that's what's going to go on for today's episode. So first, I'm going to do a complete Sunday review uh, from the NFL, so let's get to that. Okay, so to kick things off, we'll start across the pond in London. Panthers beating the Buccaneers 37-26. to Starting on the Panthers' side of the thing, things, despite two touchdowns, Christian McCaffrey struggled. Uh, there's something about the Buccaneers. Christian McCaffrey's had an MVP-type season. And the thing about it is he's struggled two games, both against the Buccaneers back in Week 2 and now this game. And people... Are you know all these uh, Christian McCaffrey people think he's going to win MVP? Think he's deserving of the MVP? All of these fans just want to bring up the touchdowns from yesterday. They don't want to mention his you know rushing totals. He had 22 carries for 31 yards yesterday. He also had four catches for 26 yards. Christian McCaffrey's a beast. Two touchdowns is great and all, but he was not no good yesterday. He made he had you know the, the, it was a good run on the goal line. He had a great catch out of the backfield where he scored, but outside of those two touchdown plays, he was not good. People are you know people need to re- recognize this. He did not have a good game yesterday. People just look at the touchdowns. Oh yeah, he scored two touchdowns. No no, no dig deeper. He was no good yesterday. But I mean, he's Christian McCaffrey. He'll bounce back. I'm not saying he's horrendous. Two touchdowns is two touchdowns. But then again, he got a total of uh, 26 touches. But Kyle Allen also things are getting interesting for the quarterback spot in Carolina. They've got Cam Newton, who's currently not healthy. You've got Kyle Allen, your undrafted rookie, who has been phenomenal. He hasn't lost since he started. He hasn't thrown an interception yet. And then you've got Will Greer. People tend to forget about Will Greer. They picked him in the third round. I love Will Greer. He's a guy who came into the NFL already, being able to you know run an offense, no plays, make reads, read some defenses. I love that type of stuff. That's what the, makes the best. I love Will Greer. So they're in a good spot at quarterback. They don't have anyone too elite. But they're in a good spot. They've got two rookie quarterbacks that they like. We already know what Kyle Allen can give you. We're not sure about Will Greer yet. And then you've got Cam Newton. Personally, I've never been a huge fan of Cam Newton since the start of, uh, since midway last season when he really started to struggle. He's just he's always banged up. 
And when he plays, he's not he's not really that good anymore. Uh, but if I'm the Panthers, I hold on to Cam Newton for the rest of the season. Uh, I don't rush Cam Newton back. Kyle Allen has been fine. In fact, compared to what Cam Newton did at the end of last season and the beginning of this season compared to Kyle Allen's play, Kyle Allen has been better. Given Kyle Allen's been more conservative as well, but he's also been better. I mean, yesterday, 20 for 32, 227 yards, two touchdowns. He doesn't wow me. Kyle Allen doesn't wow me, but he's just good enough. You've got to have a nice supporting cast around him if you really want to make noise, but I don't think the Panthers are shooting for the Super Bowl this year. I mean, in their minds, they are. They're 4-2. They've had a nice season, but it's just not going to happen. Maybe the playoffs. I think they'd be happy to just make the playoffs. And I'm not saying, you know, they're shooting for the Super Bowl, but in hindsight, they're not a contender. So give Kyle Allen those reps. Maybe he can really be something. But if all of a sudden Kyle Allen starts to struggle or playoff time comes around and all of a sudden, or it's a really big game and he struggles in the first half, you're like, oh, we need to get, we're not going to throw Will Greer in there for his first game, you know what I'm saying? So maybe they go ahead and put Cam Newton. I just keep Cam Newton for the rest of the year, just in case if Kyle Allen starts to struggle. If Kyle Allen continues to play like this, I sit Cam Newton. And a lot of teams are intrigued by Cam Newton. So if you got a good offer, definitely take it. But if none of the offers really wow you, I just keep them. For the rest of the year, if Kyle Allen continues to play really well, you like what Will Greer's doing as well, go ahead and trade Cam Newton. I think his days are really coming to an end anyway. And then for the Buccaneers, oh, James Winston. Oh, my God. He threw for 400 yards in a touchdown and five interceptions. 30 for 54, 400 yards, a touchdown, five interceptions. James Winston is one of the most confusing players in the NFL. I don't he's, – he's confusing, but he's not. We all know this is just a guy who tries to do too much, and he chucks it around the yard. He just chucks it. Some of the plays work out, and it's an incredible play. Like the Rams game was just, you know, James, they throw the ball almost every play. So James Winston just goes out there, throws it 50 to 60, you know, it's an exaggeration, but like 45 to 55 times a game. And some games against the Rams, he's he's not even smart with the ball, but he's just accurate with it. And he gets a little lucky and other games, you know, catches up to him. This game, it did five picks, but he still threw for 400 yards shows. This guy just chucks it around the yard. Jameis Winston needs to be smarter with the football. Jameis Winston has a ton of potential. I still like the potential Jameis Winston has, but the belief in that potential is starting to diminish with these performances. Bruce Arians, we thought he could turn him around. First two weeks didn't look so good. Then he scores 55 against the Rams. It's just up and down, up and down. He needs to get more consistent. He needs to be, you know, more careful with the ball. If Jameis Winston goes out next week and only throws for 200, you know, 220 yards in a touchdown or two, but he throws no interceptions, that's fine. Yeah, Jameis Winston is someone who really pushes the ball downfield. But I he think he needs to be more conservative. Him, guys like him and Josh Allen, you know, we talk about so many conservative quarterbacks nowadays, but Jameis Winston is not one of them. He needs to calm down. He needs to make smarter decisions, better throws. The Buccaneers also need to run the ball more because it's just turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. I I just don't know. I think it's just about time to move on from Jameis Winston, but I think you play it out for the rest of the year. If you're Bruce Arians, try to get to Jameis Winston. Just say, we have to be more conservative. Just work on it being more conservative, conservative, more conservative. See if he can turn things around because you're stuck with Jameis for the rest of the year. You might as well try to make things better and hope that maybe there's, there's still hope. It's just, it's getting less and less. So Bruce Arians has got to figure something out. 
hopefully he can, because they're stuck with James for the rest of the year, so try to make the most of it. Uh, Redskins, Dolphins, not really going to touch upon this game much. Uh, Terry McLaurin has a great game at the Tank Bowl. Who wins this game? Because the Redskins won 17-16, to but did the Dolphins win, technically? Because, you know what I'm... Yeah, you get my point. Next game. Gee, I'm not talking about... I'm not even talking about that. Saints beat the Jaguars 13-6. to uh, It's clear, to me, the Saints are the best team in the NFC. Okay? They're the best team to me in the NFC. This team is picking up... They're close... Low-scoring games, but they have shown they can win without Drew Brees. I will say the investment in Teddy Bridgewater's paid off, but Teddy Bridgewater's getting overrated. I I love Teddy Bridgewater. The story's amazing. We all, we all get that, and we all like Teddy Bridgewater. Who hates Teddy Bridgewater? But the issue with him is he's, he's so conservative, and that's why they put up 13 points. The most points they've scored with him, I think, is 21 points. They win ball games. It's not because of Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater won't turn the ball over, but he just dumps it off. He, he's not really someone that's going to make you... If Drew Brees was out for the rest of the year, the Saints aren't going to win the Super Bowl. Because Teddy Bridgewater is just not good enough. He's, he's, he's a nice backup. He can be conservative, someone that's not going to turn over the ball. But with Teddy Bridgewater, you better hope you have playmakers on that offense that can turn those five-yard passes into 15-yard gains, and you better hope that defense is really good because they're not going to score a lot of points. I mean, you'd be lucky if they score 20, over 20. I mean, that's the problem. Teddy Bridgewater's not bad for a backup, but he's just super conservative. Check down Teddy. Oh, my God. But they need to run the ball more. Calvin Kamara at 11 carries, Latavius Murray at 8. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, I know he's conservative, but listen, you know, Alvin Kamara is a playmaker. He's a dog. Give it to him and see what he can do. But the Saints' defense has been incredible. I don't think they've got enough credit. We talk about the Patriots' defense, the Bears. The Saints are up there, too. I think the Patriots are the best defense in the league. Second best? Second best? Second best is probably the Saints to me. The Bears are good, but they're flashy. They're a little too flashy. If I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But they let up 24 to the Raiders. And the Bears have a top-tier defense, don't get me wrong, but eh, they're they're good, but the Saints the Patriots have impressed me more this season. Gardner Minshew struggled, but I'm not going to hold that too much against him. It's going to happen. He's a young quarterback. That was a very tough Saints defense he was facing. Very tough. But I give uh, the Saints credit. I mean, what they're doing right now is impressive, but when they get Drew Brees back, it's going to be even better. I mean, yeah, the first week they let up, you know, 30-something points to the Texans. 28 points maybe it was, but that's the Texans. Uh, they, they've they got much better since then. And this this all around this team has shown they can win without Drew Brees. I'm just excited what they can do with him because they're much better with him. No disrespect to Teddy Bridgewater. But Ravens, Bengals, uh, I just want to focus on Lamar Jackson here. Impressive game, but I think it's been slightly overrated. Just just a little. He didn't wow me passing the ball. 33 passing attempts. 21 for 33. 236 yards. But at the same time, I, I'm okay with that because he just took what the defense gave him. The Bengals are not a very good defense. Let's just clarify that. But the Bengals said, all right, he's clearly trying to pass the ball more and more. Let's stop him from passing the ball. Doesn't make any sense. You know what a strong suit is. Don't get me wrong. Lamar Jackson's got better as a passer. But he is clearly a better runner. 
So he said, all right, I'll, he, I'll run 19 times for 152 yards and a touchdown. Make the adjustment. Early in that game, when you see Lamar Jackson's just like, all right, I'm taking what you're giving me, I'll run the ball. What would you rather have, have as a defense? Lamar Jackson, run or pass? Pass, pass, pass. And there's no doubt about it. No one can debate that they'd rather have him run than pass. It's just not debatable. So to me, the Bengals need to make that adjustment. I'm not as impressed as a lot of people are with Lamar Jackson's performance, but it was still very good. I don't consider him a Tier A MVP candidate. He's more Tier B for me. Uh, tier A's guys like Russell Wilson, Christian McCaffrey, uh, and maybe like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Lamar Jackson needs one more good performance to bump himself back up in Tier A. I don't think uh, this wasn't enough for me. I'm sorry. It just it just wasn't. Moving on, next game we got Seahawks and Browns. Ooh, this was a. Good game, and I'm not sure if it makes me feel better or worse about the Cleveland Browns. For the Seahawks, Russell Wilson's my MVP so far. I picked Deshaun Watson at the beginning of the year. I'm not going Christian McCaffrey. I'm not. He's been good. and Without him, the Panthers are probably like 2-4, and four, maybe. Uh, and he's been great, but that performance yesterday wasn't even that good. Uh, and I'm not saying just basing up that performance, but Russell Wilson's been awesome. He turns nothing into something time and time again. He does not have a great supporting cast around him. 23 for 33 yesterday, 295 passing yards, two touchdowns. He also ran for nine. Uh, he also ran for a touchdown, 31 yards on nine carries. I mean, he's been great. Chris Carson really ran the ball well too yesterday, 24 carries, 124 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, that was good to see. But for the Browns, I mean, Freddie Kitchens, I, I'm done with Freddie Kitchens. I thought he'd be better than this. I expected better. I didn't expect anything elite, but I expected better. I expect better from any NFL head coach. Freddie Kitchens, oh my god, he's been wretched. Throws the t they, they had a chance to score a touchdown, but Freddie Kitchens throws the challenge flag to challenge a play that happened before with Jarvis Landry. It's declined. They don't end up scoring, and then he loses his challenge uh, for a later play when the Seahawks receiver arguably dropped the ball. Bad coaching by Freddie Kitchens. It's not horrible. And the Browns went ahead and blamed the refs. I don't think the refs were very good in this game. But the Browns, they need to figure things out, man. They're 2-4. and four. And they weren't as bad this game, but, like, Baker Mayfield wasn't good at all. I will say this. I figured this out. I heard the stat. He's had 11 interceptions this season. Seven of them have been... Because receivers dropped the pass or it was deflected off their end. And you know me. I think the receivers, most of the time, deserve more blame on interceptions that go off their hands. It's always blame the quarterbacks. Now, some of them, it'll be a pass where it's over their head. It's a, it's a duck. Absolute duck. It's no spiral at all. It's over their head and they'll tip off their hands because they jump as high as they can to try to go get it. You know what I'm saying? And then it gets intercepted. Those are different, but some of these just go through the hands of the wide receivers, and it's not a horrible throw. So I'm not blaming it all on Baker, but he has really struggled. Nick Chubb ran the ball really well yesterday. Nick Chubb's bailing out this offense. He's the reason they destroyed the Ravens. Baker Mayfield wasn't even that good that game. It was Nick Chubb. And it really took some pressure off Baker Mayfield, and that's where they got all their points. Same with yesterday. Baker Mayfield wasn't even that great. Nick Chubb really is a workhorse. He's great. I always loved Nick Chubb out of college, rookie year. I was just sold on him. I still am. I love Nick Chubb. Uh, but he, I mean, he, they need to figure things out. 
Uh, Odell wasn't horrible yesterday. Six receptions for 101 yards. So, that you know, this really starting to feed him. But the Browns, I mean, this is starting to get must-win football. And they got a bye week, and then they got the Patriots. And then they got the Broncos. And the Broncos don't let their 2-4 and four record deceive you. In fact, I'm going to get to that game later, but I'll, I'll tell you my take on the Broncos. I respect them. Uh, 38 to 20, Vikings win. Kirk Cousins starting to figure things out. No, no, he's not. No, Kirk Cousins. Th- this isn't a sign of hope. It isn't. It isn't. No, no, it isn't. Kirk Cousins. I've seen this movie a thousand times. Kirk Cousins struggles against the good teams. Then he goes up and faces the Giants. <laughs> the Giants in the. Eagles. He faces those two defenses. He puts up a good performance, and people say, well, you know, maybe Kirk Cousins is figuring it out. Maybe, 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 just maybe Kirk Cousins is starting to figure things out. People get excited, and then he's got to face the Bears. He he goes to face the even even just just give me a a slightly above-average defense. Let me think. Slightly above average defense. Mostly with the secondary. Uh, hmm. Slightly above. That's good enough for this example. Ooh, I'm having trouble. Uh, I think I'm just thinking really slow. The Ravens. Okay, the Ravens defense isn't that great this year. They've been worse. A solid defense, but nothing spectacular. They're not spectacular anymore. Kirk Cousins will go up against them, throw two picks, one touchdown pass, his receivers start whining. That's just what happens in Minnesota. They're going to put up a decent record. At the end of the year, Kirk Cousins will have solid stats. But it isn't good enough. Kirk Cousins can't win you a Super Bowl. There isn't hope. You've said this a thousand times. When will you learn your lesson? When will you watch the movie? How many times do you have to watch this movie to figure out it's the same thing on replay? Kirk Cousins does well against the good teams, bad against the good, does well against the bad teams, bad against the good ones. This is a bad Eagles defense. It's not horrible, but yes, they have a good uh, pass rush, but your old line isn't that bad anymore, so you're able to stop that. But your receivers are pretty fast. Theirs are slow and they're bad. So you can get that ball out in two seconds. You're just fine. Uh, Stefan Diggs and um, Adam Thielen are starting to really get happy. Stefan Diggs went off this game. Uh, Dalvin Cook wasn't even that good. 16 carries, 41 yards, and a touchdown. He's starting to really slow down, but he's still one of the better backs in the league when healthy. Texans Chiefs. This was a really good one. It, it was going to be the probably the game of the day. And at the end of the day, I mean, if I just look through the schedule one more time, make sure – I will say this. I will say the Seahawks and Browns wasn't a bad game. Uh, The 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 thing about the Cardinals and Falcons, it's kind of like the Dolphins-Redskins where it was a close game, but eh. The the Falcons and Cardinals wasn't bad. That was an offensive show. That wasn't bad. I'd say that, the Texans, Chiefs, and Seahawks and Browns were the games of the day. But this Chiefs-Texans game I watched... Uh, and the sh- it's tough. The Sean Watson or Patrick Mahomes who played better? I think Deshaun Watson played a little better. 
But Patrick Mahomes, that interception was stupid. And it wasn't his fault. Patrick Mahomes did it all game. You saw the, the touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill absolutely mossed that guy. He should have intercepted it. Patrick Mahomes saw the flag. So he said, all right, I'm, rightfully so, take the shot downfield. I mean, that's, you're at the 50-yard line. And you've got a cannon like Patrick Mahomes does. You see the flag. You know it's on the other team. Take a shot downfield because here's what's going to happen. Either you catch the ball and get a touchdown and you decline the penalty or they intercept it or it's incomplete, whatever. There's a penalty on the play. If they intercept it, it doesn't count. You decline the penalty, you get five yards or whatever. That's what he did. Another play, Travis Kelsey is tackled. It's either pass interference or unnecessary roughness. He's tackled by the other defender. Patrick Mahomes see it, sees it. He sees the flag, chucks one up to the end zone. Wasn't a great throw, and it was intercepted. Turns out that interception stands because Travis Kelsey had to be the intended receiver, which is absolutely stupid. That was a horrible rule. Patrick Mahomes did the right thing. I'm not going to uh, discredit him for it. It was the right move. It's a bad officiating, or it just if that's a real rule, the NFL committee has to change that. The Texans came away with this one, though, at the end of the day. And it, the Chiefs, although that was called, they got to start thinking that's back-to-back losses at Arrowhead. The Colts and the Texans aren't bad teams. I'm not saying that, but this is the Chiefs. They're better than those two teams. You've got to at least go one and one. At least. So the Chiefs, the Chiefs got stuff to figure out. Uh, hopefully, Sammy Watkins can come back. But is is it a defensive? Is it a defensive problem? I mean, Patrick Mahomes. This has been two of his. He hasn't been bad these past two weeks, but he hasn't been that great either. Uh, a little bit of a concern in Kansas City, but not as concerned as like Cleveland went off. It's a whole different story. Uh, Cardinals and Falcons. Cardinals win thirty-four to thirty-three in Arizona. So I ask to the Atlanta Falcons. Why is Dan Quinn still here? Huh? What? Why is Dan Quinn still even head coach? Why is he even associated with your organization anymore? He has done such a bad job with this football team. This year, 28-3. My favorite game of all time, by the way, in any sport. Ever since 28-3. Last year, the Falcons were bad. Okay? Give them, give them, give them an excuse, though. The defense was very banged up, and it was not good. Okay, we're going to keep Dan Quinn, but you're on a bit of a hot seat. The Falcons start 1-5, and and he is still here, and it disgusts me. He should have been gone last week. He should have been gone arguably the week before that. And now after this loss, forget it. He should be out of here, no doubt. But he's still here. What 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 are we waiting for in Atlanta? Are we waiting for another 6-10 season? I mean, at this point, with Dan Quinn, you'd be lucky to go 6-10. Please. You got the Rams next week. Then you got the Seahawks. Then you got the Saints. What are we waiting for? You have three of the toughest teams in the NFC coming up. And we're going to hang on to Dan Quinn. I'd rather... I, I know, I know, I know. We don't want to throw an interim head coach into this tough, uh, tough stretch. Excuse me for that voice crack. But... Dan Quinn can't beat the Cardinals. I'd rather the interim head coach has a better shot to beat the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Saints because Dan Quinn ain't doing that. 
oh, forget it. He, he, he ain't beating those teams. It just isn't happening. Dan Quinn is bad. He is no good. Get him out of there. This Falcons team has a legendary crop of offensive talent. They, they have one of the best passing attacks in the league. If not, I'm going to say it, the best. Matt Ryan, I love Matt Ryan. You've got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu, Austin Hooper, who's been the best tight end in the league this year. Let's go. I love Austin Hooper. And the O-line, yes, it's not great. The run game, no. But the passing attack is enough to get them 30-plus points almost every single game. But the defense is horrible. Dan Quinn's no good. Get Dan Quinn out. Get defensive players like this. I'd love to see them at the deadline. Not only by the deadline, Dan Quinn should be gone. If he's still there, I'm going on a, a bigger rant than this. But at the deadline, try to get a good defensive player that still has a few years left on his contract. I know the season seems like a lost cause by now. But at least for like next year, because this offense still has a few years left. But the time's running out. I know Calvin Ridley's young. But Matt Ryan's getting up there in age. Julio Jones is prime. You know, there's only so many years of his prime. Mohamed Sanu, we are he's 30, but it seems like he's older. The Falcons, I mean, they just need to get some defensive pieces in. Fire Dan Quinn immediately. He should already be gone, but he's not. 49ers stay undefeated against the Rams. Uh, the Rams clearly do not own this division anymore. They did last year. They absolutely owned it. Seahawks weren't bad, but the 49ers are starting to get on my nerves a little bit. I like them, but I picked them to go to the playoffs last year, and they were they went, what, 4-12? and So this year I said, all right, you're going to go 7-9. and there's five and zero oh so far. What is this? I, so to to San Francisco's uh, the 49ers nation. Should I do you a solid every year and pick you to go under five hundred? Because then you go over four. I don't want to you know make you guys mad and pick you guys to go to the playoffs and then you guys end up with a top three pick because you guys end up doing bad. Jimmy Garoppolo has not been very good this year. He hasn't wowed me at all. But you know what has. Kyle Shanahan in the 49ers defense. Kyle Shanahan has been able to cover up for some of Jimmy G's mishaps and get the ball into playmakers' hands like Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, and they've made things work. Their running game was not that good yesterday, but it was good enough to win, obviously. The defense is what won them that game. Jared Goff was awful. I told you, Jared Goff's no good. He ain't, he ain't no good. He's a system quarterback, in my opinion. He's no good. Yeah, no Todd Gurley. And you got you got uh, Robert Woods going finally with a touchdown on the jet sweep. But, man, that defense was really good. The San, San Francisco's defense starting to rub off on me. I don't think they're on the same tier as the uh, Saints and the Patriots and the Bears. But they're, you know, at least tier B or tier C at this point. Their defense has been very good. Uh, they just, first of all, they control the trenches. The Rams' O line is starting to become a real problem, and the 49ers' D line is starting to be a, become a pro- The Rams' O line is becoming a problem for the Rams, and the 49ers' D line is becoming a problem for op- opponents. Their D line's really good. It all starts there. Then, you know, when the D line gets that pressure, it gets in the quarterback's head. It makes them get it out quicker, it makes them make bad decisions, and it makes the, the secondary look a lot better. That's just kind of how it works. The 49ers are for real. They're for real. I 
I wouldn't say they're a tier A Super Bowl contender, but they're at least a playoff contender. There's no denying that. I don't want to say they're a Super Bowl contender contender like the Patriots or the Saints, but they're getting there. I mean, one or two more convincing wins. I mean, they, their next game's the Redskins, which is great. I mean, the, they for the for the 49ers, it's easy 6-0. and Then you get the Panthers. They're a little tougher, but I think that's a game that you can handle. And you got the Cardinals. Then you got the Seahawks. Then the Cardinals again. So a relatively easy schedule coming up for the 49ers. So things are looking good in San Francisco. But for San Francisco, it's about still winning this division. Because even though they're 5-0 and and things seem great, you already your bye week's already passed. So if you, 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 you drop a game or two, there's no bye week to bail you out in the middle of the season. The Seahawks have still been great. They're five and one, and the Rams are maybe three and three, but they're still a threat. And the Cardinals are two, three and one. They're not going to win the division. But the 49ers have to still maintain the lead because the 49ers could drop out of this. They could potentially miss the playoffs if all of a sudden, you know, they lose to uh, you know they're going to beat the Redskins, but they lose to the Panthers. Maybe the Rams come back and win these next games, and the Seahawks are competitive. I'm not saying the 49ers will. I think at this point they're going to make the playoffs, but just hold on to the division and then win in the playoffs. they got to show up in the playoffs too. It ain't over because you just started 5-0. They're still in a tough division, and they still got to show up in playoff time if they make it, which I think they will, but still. Broncos, we shut out the Titans. Uh, 16-0. Both teams are now 2-4. and four. I respect the Broncos a lot. I really, I have. Don't I said this uh, last week. Don't let their 1-4 record deceive you. I said this when they were 0-4. Don't let their own full record deceive you. Another 2-4. This Broncos team has stayed so competitive. They're an older team full of respectable veterans. Not everyone respects Joe Flacco, but overall as a core, they're pretty respectable. And they're a team that could easily tank, but they, they compete. I mean, you, you look at it. Week 1, they face the Raiders. They lose 24-16. Week two, they lose to the Bears on a game-winning field goal, 16 to 14. Week three, Packers, 27 to 16 loss. Week four, Jaguars beat them 26 to 24. Then last week, they beat the Chargers 20 to 13. They absolutely undress and embarrass the Chargers. Then they beat the Titans 16 to nothing. They may be two and four, but their biggest loss was 11 points to the Packers, who have been very good this season. So I give the Broncos credit. They've competed. Their defense is very good. I told you they're underrated. I don't think they're Tier A anymore, but I think they're at least Tier C. At least. They were very good. They had seven sacks. They had three interceptions. They got Marcus Mariota benched. He went 7 for 18, 63 yards, and two touchdowns. He's a problem. They need a new uh, franchise quarterback. Who would have known him and Jameis Winston would bust? Ryan Tannehill came in. 13 for 16 isn't bad for 144 yards, but then he did throw the pick. He wasn't that great either. Derrick Henry couldn't get anything going on the ground. The Broncos' defense was great. Their offense wasn't even that good, uh, but it, it was good enough for 16 points. So uh, the Broncos made it work. But I really – I used to hate the Broncos when they were good because I was a Patriots fan. They beat the Patriots, and yeah, I, every once in a while. But I respect them. I really do. Uh, and then we had the Jets and Cowboys. This was a good game. I Actually, when I said the top three games, the Jets and Cowboys are on there. Uh, Sam was a Patriots fan, and they'd always, you know, they wouldn't always, but they beat us on occasion, which was odd. And I didn't like them, but now I really do respect them. Next game, 
I, when I said earlier the three tops games were the Browns game, Browns versus Seahawks, Texans versus uh, Chiefs, and one other ever other game I said, the Jets and Cowboys should be one of those two. I forgot about this game. I don't know how. I watched it. It was a good game. Sam Donald has proved his worth. They barely lose in week one to the Bills, and then he's out for the next four weeks, next three games with Mono. And then he and they get blown up. They're not competitive at all. There's no energy. Their offense is so stagnant. Their defense plays with no energy. Sam Darnold comes back. The offense is wide open. The defense is playing better with more energy, and they win against the Dallas Cowboys. It's like here's the thing with the Jets before with no Sam Darnold, they lost energy, they lost hope, and the offense wasn't open at all. Le'Veon Bell again is a guy who. He isn't bad at it, but he's mostly a guy who relies on the defense to open up a little bit and holes to open up. He he waits to see those holes. When there was no Sam Darnold, their running game, their passing game was not a threat at all. Their O line weren't that motivated to really block, so it was hard for him to find those holes, you know, and really become a good running back. This game uh, with Sam Darnold back, he was solid. 14 carries, 50 yards, and a touchdown. 3.6 yards a carry is amazing, but it's not horrible. Things really opened up with Sam Darnold. Uh, he did throw a pick, but he was great. I mean, he made that great uh, audible at the eight-yard line. I broke down that play. It was a great read by him. It was a simple read. They're in spread offense. He reads the cover one. It was a very simple read, but it was a great one, and it led to uh, the 92-yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson. Darnold really opens up that offense. He gives them hope. That defense looked really good, too. But Jerry Jones, that's an ugly birthday present. I mean, the Cowboys just really struggled. Zeke wasn't that bad on the ground. He was also pretty effective in the, uh, in the out of the backfield as well. They weren't horrible. The Cowboys weren't horrible, but, I mean, they're, they're struggling. I consider the Jets with Sam Darnold a solid team. No Super Bowl contender at all. They'd be lucky to make the playoffs even with Sam Darnold. But they're a solid, decent team. The Cowboys, those first three weeks, didn't face a real team. Now, for these past three weeks, they have, and they've struggled. The Cowboys need to figure it out. They're going to face the Eagles next week, and it's a huge game for both the Eagles and the Cowboys. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be like the game of the week because it means so much. Then we go to Sunday Night Football. I had no school tonight. We had the Monday off, so I was able to watch this whole game, which was pretty cool. I wish it was a better game. Uh, I know 24-17 to 17 seems pretty close, but the Chargers really only had a good fourth quarter. They scored all their points in the fourth quarter. The Steelers got off to a really good start defensively. Offensively, they weren't bad either. James Conner didn't run the ball even that great, but he was effective out of the backfield. Kind of like Christian McCaffrey. He didn't run the ball great. But he did enough out of the backfield to get him two touchdowns, and then he ran in the touchdown as well. Like He just had a few good plays that ended up getting him two touchdowns. But the Chargers, I told you, they're not going to make the playoffs. And people are starting to say the Chargers are no good anymore. You know what really annoyed me, though? Where was Austin Eckler? I, I know I love Austin Eckler, but Melvin Gordon clearly ain't it. Eight carries for 18 yards? Please. Austin Eckler did a five carries, 14 yards. Don't get me wrong, Seals whipped up a pretty good game plan. But, yeah, I like Austin Eckler out of the backfield, but he, he had the same amount of catches as Melvin Gordon. 
Austin Eckler should be getting more touches at this point. I'd look to move Melvin Gordon if I was the Chargers. Just, I've been saying it. You can get a first-round pick out of a running back when you have Austin Eckler, and you don't have to trade him. You know what I'm saying? Austin Eckler was great. Melvin Gordon struggled so far. I would have traded him because I love Mel Austin Eckler. And I, yeah, it's it's a harder decision. And Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon as a duo are great. You can it, it keeps the defense on its toes. Melvin Gordon can take most of the handoffs. Austin Eckler can take more uh, most of the you know passes. And they can both. You know, Austin Eckler can also run if you really need him to. Melvin Gordon can pass you know catch passes out of the backfield. But they don't need Melvin Gordon. If you could have traded him for a first and a fourth. You could have traded him for a first and a fourth to tell me I would have done it. Because Austin Eckler's a beast. You don't need Melvin Gordon. You can get a first and a fourth out of him. Yes. I take that. At least that's me because I love uh, Austin Eckler. And I think he can take the workload. Uh, but I know it's a tougher decision in reality for the Chargers. Uh, but Anthony Lynn is a running back coach. I mean, you don't need Melvin Gordon not only because you have Austin Eckler. But Anthony Lynn turns these running backs into magicians. He he he's an expert with running backs. That's his specialty as a head coach. And I know I know I know it could be quarterback. It could be any running back is what your specialty at. It is, but I guess the the upside to that is he can take. You know, Austin Eckler was undrafted. He's turned him into a beast. Uh, Anthony Lynn can do that. You don't need Melvin Gordon. You don't need to pay him that the, the big bucks. You just don't need to do it. Trade him. And that's, in my opinion, Anthony Lynn can clearly bring these guys in and turn them into something solid. And you have Austin Eckler, who's been a beast. I, that's what I, that's my thought. And anyway, that's a uh, complete Sunday uh, a review of every Sunday game. I know Monday Night Football is tonight. Uh, hopefully, again, I can get to a breakdown of that. We'll have to see. We'll have to play it by air. But now I'm going to get to numbers, I believe it's 60 through 41 on my NBA Top 100 players list. So let's get to that. Okay, so before we start... I'm just going to review the rules again. Again, no Kevin Love, no John Wall, no DeMarcus Cousins because of their on and off injuries, but I will include Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. And I'll review my list so far. Alonzo Ball at 100, Gordon Hayward at 99, Joe Harris at 98, DeAndre Jordan at 97, Bam at a bio at 96, Terrence Ross at 95. Uh, Jer- I, I'll just say it. Uh, Jared Allen, then Jeff Teague, Devon- DeJounte Murray, Patrick Beverly, then at 90, Danny Green. 89, Derek White, and then Al Forak Aminu, Derek Favors, Ricky Rubio, Thaddeus Young at 85, Jonas Valanciunas, Marcus Smart, TJ Warren, Harrison Barnes, DeAndre Ayton at 80, Jaron Jackson Jr., JJ Reddick, Spencer Dinwiddie, Serge Ibaka, Josh Richardson at 75, Brooke Lopez, Paul Millsap, Kyle Kuzma, PJ Tucker, Jalen Brown, Otto Porter, Marcus Saul, Gary Harris, Eric Gordon, DeMontis, Sabonis at 65, Karis LeVert at 64, Montrez Harrell at 63, Steven Adams at 62, and Clint Capella at 61. And that's where we left off. Uh, I hope you kind of got that. I didn't want to say every single number. I've seen People have seen my numbers 76 through 100, and their biggest problem was how low TJ Warren was. They thought TJ Warren's better than Harrison Barnes. I had, uh, Warren at 82, Barnes at 81. If you ask me, it's extremely close, and I think Warren will pass Barnes at the end of the year, or at least even middle of the year. TJ Warren, probably even better than Harrison Barnes. I just think it's close. I think people, a lot of people are really starting to catch on to how underrated TJ Warren is, and kind of like Pascal Siakam, they see how underrated he is, and then they want to go overrate him. That's what I don't like. 
Because that's what a lot of people do. They see this underrated player. A lot of people start to catch on to it. And they say, yeah, I mean, he's so underrated. He should be this high. I'm like, oh, slow down. Someone told me low 60s. I was just like, all right, all right. I like TJ Warren. Personally, I like him more than Harrison Barnes. But I think Harrison Barnes is slightly better. And a lot of people disagree. But it's close. They didn't, like, disagree, like, oh my god, you're an idiot. They were just like, you know, I respectfully disagree. I don't think it's anything absurd, but moving on. Number 60, I've got Joe Ingles. Uh, Ingles, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what... I think he could be a sixth man this year. I do. Uh, Royce O'Neal could potentially go in, and Joe Ingles runs point forward. I Joe Ingles is a guy who is not athletic at all, but for a non-athletic wing, he's one of the better non-athletic wings I've ever seen. Because he's not athletic at all. Like, he's not really that. He's un, his athleticism is a little underrated. He's not a bad defender. He's not that great, but he's not a bad defender. Uh, offensively, he can shoot the three ball really well. He can space the floor. He's such an underrated playmaker. One of the best passing forwards in the league, in my opinion. I mean, he can run the point. It won't be a fast tempo offense. Like, if, he, if they decide we're going to put Royce O'Neal at the three, Boyan Bogdanovich at the four, and then Joe Ingles will be our sixth man. Not horrible. They don't have anyone to run the point on their bench. Joe Ingles comes in uh, off the bench. He can run the point. It won't be a fast-tempo offense, but he's a really good playmaker. He could run the point. Joe Ingles is underrated, in my opinion. I know there's a lot of memes and whatnot about him, but he's still a good player. Number 59, I've got Laurie Markkinen. Uh, Markkinen, I mean, this guy's just so underrated. I mean, we all know he can score. The basketball, but what else can he do? Great rebounder. Uh, he not also this. He's a great inside-out player. I've seen this guy score. He's looked at as a stretch big, and yes, he he is a stretch big. But he can also play into the uh, hoop. I remember that game. Him and Levine went off against the Celtics. I learned a lot about that duo, especially marketing. Marketing can really score more. You know, he's more worthy in scoring on the block than I thought. He could really score on the block. He could also grab rebounds. Not a great defender. You know, not a great playmaker or any of that, but he's a great all-around scorer that can score from a ton of different places, great inside-out threat, and he can also grab better rebounds. He's more of a big man than I thought. Number 58, I've got Robert Covington. One of the best. I love Robert Covington. One of the better 3-and-D wings in the league. Uh, his three-point shot can be overrated by a little pe- bit of people at times. It's a little too inconsistent, but it's nonetheless still solid. But defensively, he's one of the best in the league. This guy was a defensive player of the year candidate before he got hurt. Again, the problems with Covington are injuries and inconsistent shooting. Because outside of his three-point shooting, he doesn't drive to the hoop a lot. You know what I'm saying? He gets more of his scores and his, uh, most of his points and his shots from behind the arc. So when it's on, you know, it's having a bad night, he doesn't give you that offensive production. But he's really lengthy, really athletic, really versatile, very good defender. He's very underrated as well. Number 57, I've got Aaron Gordon. Uh, Aaron Gordon in a vacuum is very, very good. Uh, he's very, he's super athletic, athletic beast. He can put on a show with some of his dunks. He's not a bad scorer, not a horrible defender, not a bad rebounder either. He's still pretty young. People think he's like 26, 27. He's actually like 24. He's got a lot of potential. I would kind of like to see him go somewhere else rather than Orlando. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, but Aaron Gordon's one of those players I like, but I don't love. I like Aaron Gordon. I, I like his potential. I like things about him. 
I'm not really sure how he scores outside of dunking, though. Like, I feel like he's one of those players that's really only a flashy dunker. He's not a shooter, but he, I guess he just grabs rebounds, puts some, I don't know. He's just a weird player. Not, not, not in a bad way, necessarily. I mean, he's a top 100 player, but number 56, I've got Jamal Murray. A lot of people have him in the 40s or the very high 50s. Not, not me. I don't like Jamal Murray as much as a lot of people. He's not a horrible scorer. Uh, he's pretty good shoot, very good shooter. Uh, but he runs the point for Denver, and he's not even that great of a passer. Uh, he's not a good defender. He's not going to go out ahead and grab you a lot of rebounds, maybe three or four tonight. And, I mean, he's a solid, efficient shooter. Mostly gets more of, us of his points from scoring. But outside of his decent scoring ability, he doesn't wow me. I think he's over. He's like one of those underrated players that's overrated. If you kind of get where I'm kind of going with that. I'm not a big fan of Jamal Murray, but he's at least number 60. Like, if you have him any lower than 59 to 60, you know, maybe 61, you're you're kind of hating on him too much. I'm not a big fan of him, but some people are, and they have him in the 40s. I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I just don't really like this guy that much. Number 55, we've got Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe, not a very good fit in Milwaukee where he's at right now. Uh, but Bledsoe still deserves recognition if at least a top 70 player. It's 65, 70 is the lowest, very lowest you can put him. Bledsoe, he's a crafty finisher at the hoop. He can't really shoot, but he's a crafty finisher, solid playmaker, very good defender. Overall, he brings a lot of things that you want in a point guard. Again, crafty finishing, good playmaking, great defender. Kind of the basics that you don't really need rebounds from your point guard. In, in in the Buck system, they would like him to shoot the three ball better, but he doesn't. He's not that good of a three-point shooter. So, you know, maybe the three-point shooting's off. If the three-point shooting's off for the Bucks, they're in trouble because all their players are three-point shooters outside of Giannis and Bledsoe, really. I mean, Chris Middleton gets all his points from three. Ersan Ilyasova, Pat Connington. I don't know why I'm naming those players, but I am. Brooke Lopez. So they, they'd be in trouble. Bledsoe's one of those guys on the Bucks that can't shoot the three outside of Giannis. One of the few. Then at number 54, I've got Julius Randle. I love Randle, but the reason I put him just a little lower than I wanted was because he's, his plays never accumulate accumulated wins. You know what I'm saying? Like, I... I uh, have Devin Booker lower on this list than many people do. He just doesn't accumulate wins. Julius Randle's kind of been that uh, type of player as well. He'll grab you. He's, he's a small ball five, but he still grabs you eight to nine rebounds a game. He's a very good scorer on the low block as well. He's not that great of a defender. But again, he grabs you for his size a lot of rebounds. Very productive on the boards for his size. And he's a very good scorer on the post as well. And he's got room to grow, but his Plays never accumulated for wins, so I had to hold that against him a little bit. Then number 53, we've got Jason Tatum. Some people would say it's a little high. He's a very hard, hard player to rank. I can't really put him much higher than this. Uh, he's a great scorer. Not a great scorer. He's a very good scorer. Uh, I think he could be a little more efficient. I think he should take less twos and drive to the hoop more and even just take more less. No, take the long twos out of your game and take you know, one to two more three-pointers a night and take it to the hoop more and be a little less selfish. That's how I look at it. Outside of, though, scoring, he doesn't really do a lot. He'll grab you a nice little amount of rebounds, but he's no good defender. 
he's not a good playmaker at all. Not really a great team player. Uh, Tatum, I'd say this is a little too high for Tatum, but hopefully, uh, you know, his scoring kind of makes up for that. Uh, number 52, I've got Yusuf Nurkic. I feel like changing some of these rankings. Should I? Yeah, I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to put Randall ahead of Tatum. See, I always make just one change in the middle. All right, I'm going to put Tatum ahead of Randall. And should I do anything else? Tatum or uh, Randall or Nurkic? Hmm. I think I'll say Nurkic. Yeah, again, Randall just not really accumulating for those wins. But number 52 of the use of Nurkic, he's an underrated big man. Uh, he's not a bad scorer at all. He's not going to wow you, but he's not a bad scorer uh, for a center. He'll grab you a good amount of rebounds, and he doesn't wow me defensively, but he's not a, a liability by any means either defensively. Just a nice player for the Trailblazers. Hopefully, pray for him. He recovers from his injury well. It's a horrific injury. I mean, I remember, see, I think I told you guys this once, but not a lot of you probably heard the episode. This was a while ago, or you forget. But I saw the injury at first. Like, everyone's making a big deal about this injury. I'm like, all right, yeah, I mean, he got hurt, but I don't see it. Like, yeah, he kind of, like, twists his ankle. But how is this going to be this, you know, how is this going to be some 10-month injury? How is it that bad? Then I turned the volume up a little more and really paid attention I heard and saw the snap, and I went, oh, my God. That's bad. That is – because I didn't – I had the volume low, and I wasn't really paying attention. When I really focused on it and turned it up a little, I heard the snap and saw it in the same time. It was, like, my fifth go-around, and I finally saw it and heard it, and I was like, oh, wow, that's bad. Oh, that, that was bad. Yeah, yeah, oh, now I see what they're talking about. But if he can just return from his injury, I mean, he'll he'll be good for sure. He'll be right around this ranking. Uh, number 51, I've got Lou Williams. Uh, you know, he's probably due to go down this list. But back-to-back six-man of the year. Uh, this is guy who's probably the best player on the... A lot of people say Danilo Gallinari, which you may be right. I haven't said Gallinari yet. Yes, he's just a little higher than Lou Will. Uh, but, he, you know, whether he's the first or the close... You know, he's, he was argue, debatably the best player on a playoff team in the West. Take that for what it's worth. Even though he's coming off the bench, he just prefers doing that. He's a great scorer. I mean, this guy, he's a very, he's a bucket getter. He's no doubt a bucket getter. He can score going to the hoop. One night, he's very crafty. Uh, not a horrible playmaker, but he's not really that good at it either. And then defensively, he's not really that good, but he's just such a bucket getter uh, and a respected player around the league. He's no doubt top 100. He's right around that 50 mark, uh, in most people's opinion. Then at number 50, I've got Boyan Bogdanovich. I like Boyan a lot. I do. I like, I respect his game. I think he's very good. I saw what he did with Indiana. He absolutely carried Indiana. Despite them getting swept, he was the reason they actually kept things somewhat competitive in that Celtics series. Because although they got swept, most of those games were pretty close. Thanks to Boyan. He was their best player. Victor Oladipo was out. Boyan Bogdanovich picked up the slack. He was scoring from everywhere on the court, mostly due to his shooting, but from pretty much everywhere on the court. And he's also a very good defender. He's one of those two-way players. I mean, the guy can 
score. He's again, he's not. I feel like this is the range of not very good playmakers. He's not. They're either good or they're not good at rebounding. I I take that back. But I just like Boyan because I mean, like compared to Tatum, Tatum's a little bit better of a scorer, but Boyan is much better at defense defensively, and that's kind of what puts him over Tatum. He's such an underrated player and defender, and now he's with the Jazz. I'm interested to see what he does with the Jazz. He won't have to take over like he did with Indiana. He's like their fourth best player. In my opinion, he's their fourth, and Joe Ingles isn't too far behind him for fourth. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of molds into that role because with Indiana, he's their you know, second, third best player. Now he's their fourth. How's he do going backwards? And I mean, I have Miles Turner higher than him on this list, but Come playoff time, he's there. He's he went from third best player to you know debatably first to definitely first. Now he's fourth. It's gonna be interesting to see how he makes that transition on a new team. Number forty nine. I've got a guy I really like. Former rookie of the year, and everyone forgets about it. Malcolm Brogdon, new start in Indiana. It's gonna be interesting to see how he does. But I love Malcolm Brogdon. He's a two way guard. That isn't a two way guard because he doesn't. He lacks too many skills at both shooting guard and point guard, but because he's good at both. This guy can run the point because he's a great playmaker, uh, and he can play the shooting guard because he's a great shooter. He's a fantastic shooter. He doesn't score a lot going to the hoop, but this is a guy who can really space the floor and shoot the three if you need it, or he can run the point and you know make passes. He's also an incredible defender. I Overall, I just really like Brogdon. He's just like a solid player that puts up good, efficient stats, and that's what I really like. Again, not going to score a lot going to the hoop, but he just fills in what he can because he's a smaller player. He's not going to grab rebounds. He could get a little better again going to the hoop, but he scores from three. He's great. He can. Play, he's an underrated playmaker, and he's a great defender as well. I love Malcolm Brogdon. Then number 48, I've got John Collins. I, I'm switching this. Switch, 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 switch. I'm putting Danilo Gallinari here at 48. Danilo Gallinari, new start in OKC. Sorry, I'm just changing this. Sorry for the typing. Actually, I'll, I'll just copy and paste this in. All right, now we can go. But Danilo Gallinari, new start in OKC. Uh, arguably the best player on uh, the Clippers last year. This year, he's probably their second best player behind CP3 if he stays. Gallinari is a guy who's with the people forget sixth overall pick, and he's right in the middle of his prime years. But due to injuries, Gallinari's really never been able to live up to his potential, and he never will be. He's no one that's gonna. He's not that great defensively. He's not that good at anything except for really shooting and scoring. He quietly averaged twenty points per game last year and was an absolute sharpshooter. Very quietly did it, and outside of his shooting and scoring ability. He doesn't really bring much to the table, but he can get you a nice little amount of rebounds. But I mean, he's, you know, when, yeah, oh, outside of shooting and scoring, he doesn't do anything. But when you shoot as efficiently as he did for 20 points per night, that's good enough to get you on my NBA top 100 players list. Then at number 47, I've got John Collins, underrated uh, young player, second half of the Trey Young John Collins duo. Uh, John Collins to me, just a guy who he's got some mad hops. Very athletic power forward. I can dunk, 
catch those lobs. Nice in the pick and roll. He can also rebound due to that athleticism and score. Not a bad defender. No. No. He's a bad defender. I was rambling on about his athleticism. Usually athleticism leads to defense. Not with John Collins. That I can dunk. The guy can grab rebounds. But he can't defend. Especially protecting the rim. Can't do it. That's what the Atlanta Hawks need. A rim protector. Uh, and they do, they just don't have it. And John Collins is kind of left with that role. And he just can't handle it. Then number 46. I've got the first half of this. Uh, the second half. I said John Collins was the second half. So Trey Young's the first half technically. But I've got his counterpart. Trey Young at number 46. I just have that sp- suspicious feeling that he'll pull a Baker Mayfield just because him and Baker Mayfield just kind of both Oklahoma, both overhyped-ish players. But Trey Young, I kind of have that feeling he's going to have a sophomore slump. I'm just saying it. But I hope he doesn't. I'm not fully – I think he'll still be solid, and he is at least going into the season. He's been very good. One of the best passers in the league. This guy's very crafty. He's got great handles. He can shoot very well. He can shoot – pretty well from behind the arc. I think he needs to work on it a little more and just become more efficient. And he's also a very crafty finisher. Not good at defense at all, but when it comes to offense, as a point guard, he brings the complete package. Number 45, I've got Buddy Heald. Uh, Heald's a guy who's not going to be great defensively. Playmaking, not his thing either. Rebounding, I'll pass. But Buddy Yield can sure score the basketball. This guy averaged, what, like 22, 23 points per game? He's one of the better scorers in the NBA. He's a top 20, 15 scorer in the NBA. Probably top 20. He can shoot really well. Buddy Yield was considered a bust in that first half uh, back in 2016, 2017. He was out of Oklahoma as well, right? And, yeah, and he was, like, one of the worst players on the team, but he worked so hard to get to where he was at. And then he came into the league and struggled that first year. And then ever since then, with Sacramento, it's been like a new start. It was good because he's been great. Him and Aaron Fox have been one of the best young duos in the league. The thing about Buddy Heald is he came in when he was like 24, 23 years old. So his prime, this is basically already his prime years, which is so sad because it feels like he just, not just got drafted, but he just got, the that DeMarcus Cousins trade doesn't feel too, too long ago. And it feels like he's still starting his career. And, you know, he's 25 years old, maybe. No, he's already like 27, 28, which is just a little sad. But maybe he can become a top 30 player, you know, a top 40 player by the end of the year. But he's not going to get too much higher in his career than, than 45, unfortunately. Then number 44, I've got Miles Turner. Uh, Turner was great in his rookie year. And then his offensive production started to go down. Offensively, he's average. Miles Turner is nothing great offensively. But defensively, he's one of the best players, especially when it comes to shot blocking. His shot blocking, his, the best part about him, his best attribute, then his defense. His shot blocking is better than his defense. His defense is still elite, but his shot blocking is even better. Then you've got his rebounding ability. Solid rebounder. He's not gonna. He's not an elite rebounder. Not gonna wow you rebounding, but he's solid. I mean, every center should be able to rebound. But then here we are with Brooke Lopez. Then at number forty-three, I've got Chris Middleton. I think Middleton is uh, a little over. Eh, not, not necessarily. But I, I'm not a huge fan of Chris Middleton. A lot of people have him in the thirties. I'll pass. I'm not putting him in the thirties. 
a little some people say this is too low. Not in my book. Chris Middleton's a guy who can shoot the rock pretty well. But he was an all-star last year when the year before he shot more efficiently from three. His efficiency went down last year, and he gives you about 15 to 18 a night, which isn't bad. It's over average scoring the ball, but I feel like all these guys in this range give you 15 to 18 or more. And the thing is, most of these guys that give you 15 to 18 points per game or more can also do, can also be a playmaker or be a rebounder. Chris Middleton's only a three-point shooter. He's not very good at defense. He's no playmaker. He's not going to get you a lot of rebounds. He's really just a three-point shooter. I think he's not talked about a lot, but he's still overrated by some people. I, the fact that he's an all-star wasn't didn't really seem too appealing to me. I didn't think he was worthy of it, especially some of the guys that missed. Rudy Gobert, for example. Oh, my gosh. Then at number 42, I've got Nikola Vucevic. I think Vucevic had a bit of a fluky year last year. I think he scored a lot of his points because he was just force-fed the ball. But nonetheless, he got you know he's a twenty and ten type of guy. The guy can rebound. The guy can score. Not a horrible defender. Uh, Vucevic, you know, he's getting up there in age. He's probably gonna be his one and uh, only All Star appearance in his career. Maybe he'll make it again this year. But I think that'll be it. I don't think he'll make it this year. If he does, this will be it. But. Vucevic is still an elite player in this game, whether you think it was a bit of a fluke last season or not. And he's at least 45. Almost, you know, he's at least a, he's a top 50 player, no doubt. He's in that 40 to 50 range. Uh, you know, maybe you got him at like 36 if you're a biased Magic fan or something. I don't know. But Vucevic, he's an elite player, uh, but I don't think he'll be as good this season as he was last season. But he'll still be one of his better years of his career. Then at number 41, to cap off today's episode, I've got Tobias Harris. I love Tobias Harris. I did when he was with the Clippers. Then he was with the Sixers. I still liked him, but not as much. I don't know why. I just He's not really an inside-out threat. I think he can do a little bit of damage scoring the ball inside, but he's mostly a stretch big for the most part. He's a solid scorer. He, he's mostly just a stretch big that shoots the three really well, and he can shoot mid-range. Uh, he can do a little bit of damage inside the paint. Uh, not a great rebounder, but he can get a few rebounds if you really need him to. Not a fantastic defender either. Mostly just a stretch big that a lot of people like that can give you a little bit in other areas as well. Uh, with the Sixers, again, he's not going to be a first or second option on a championship contender team. Maybe a third if you throw him on, like, the Lakers or the Clippers. But Tobias Harris is just, a, like, a good player. I mean, he's 41 on my list. Obviously, he's a good player. Uh, he's a great stretch guy, really stretch the floor. And I think that's going to be good this year. I mean, they're, they they the 76ers have Al Horford and Joel Embiid as their big men this year. Tobias Harris will be a great fit for that because you're sitting there saying, all right, Joel Embiid and Al Horford, they bring paint presence and defense. It's going to be clogged in the paint. So Tobias Harris is sitting there saying, well, you can pick up the slack for me defensively. I'll pick up the slack on the perimeter for you guys. He'll be a great fit there. It's okay that he doesn't do a lot in the paint because it's going to be clogged enough there in Philly anyway. So that's going to wrap up today's episode. Uh, at the beginning of some of these sound bites, I heard it was very like fuzzy. I'm sorry for that. 
Uh, it got better, you know, once you listen for about 10 to 15 seconds, it started to get better. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Again, go follow my Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces. Again, that's at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces for podcast updates and um, sports content. And then go follow, uh, go get the Anchor mobile app and call in and download the app and send in a voice message. Uh, any Anything's on the table that you want to get to. Uh, you want to get a take in, you want to uh, criticize whatever I had to say, any questions, anything you disagreed with, anything is on the table. So again, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time.